This is 93.1 Life FM. Inclusive Cork is an organisation with a goal to transform organisations into inclusion leaders, practical solutions that impact outcomes and remove the whole myths and fears and stereotypes associated with disability. Join us on the line now from Inclusive Cork is Claire Keneally. Claire, thanks for your time. Hi, good morning, Arthur. How are you? I'm not too bad now. It's great. I was just talking about the good weather. It uh, definitely does me good. I think it does everybody good. Absolutely. That's what they're saying. It's keeping us keeping us above water, I think. That's it. I'm telling you now. Thankfully, it's not raining. Definitely, it'll help us keep over water in more ways than one. Tell us, Claire, Inclusive Cork, just remind us a bit about your organisation, if you would. Sure. Um, so, Inclusive Cork, what we are is a provider of training around inclusion, but especially around disability business inclusion. So, I go into organisations And I tell them what disability is in the 21st century in terms of the physical environment or the online environment and all the adjustments um, that are available around assistive technology, around disability. And um, the organizations know their business. And we, I suppose I'm a bit of a plumber, uh, uh, Arthur, because I go in and I identify where are the blockages to employing disability and we unblock them and uh, hence, people get employed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Taking, taking a lot of the fear out of uh, employing mm-hmm. disability. How to manage, how to cope, how to deal, because as I suppose, as we were saying, there can be fear, there can be, I suppose, stereotypes associated with so on. Uh, tell us, if you would, your own background in terms of dealing with the situation at hand, I suppose it can, it can cause a certain amount of fear for the person with a disability, especially when they're first um, diagnosed with a disability. Uh, tell us your own situation, if you would, in terms of where you're coming from with a disability. Um, we've spoken about this before. Uh, how you actually manage this in terms of grief and so forth? Yeah, because grief is what we're going to talk about today. So um, I am vision impaired and I was identified with my vision impairment when I was 19 years old. I was in UCC. I was um, studying arts. And um, yeah, it was a pretty tough time because I didn't see it coming and I didn't expect it. And uh, when we're talking about grief today, I suppose we're talking about five different stages. And definitely my first stage of denial went on for a long time because I left the doctor's office that day and I couldn't even talk about it. I was like, no, this can't be happening. What I have is called Stargardt and it's um, a degenerative eye condition. So even though um, it was bad enough that I went to get my eyes tested at 19, I knew what I was told was that it was going to degenerate over time. So by my late 20s, 30s, you know, it was going to be a lot worse than what it would be at 19. But I was in denial for a long time, you know. And um, but I eventually I finished my degree and I became a teacher and um, I have worked uh, my life with a vision impairment. I have a lot of assistive technology. For example, I use an iPhone, which has a lot of assistive technology on it inbuilt. And um, on my computer, I have uh, voice feedback and uh, magnifiers. And yeah, all around my house, I have equipment that helps me mm-hmm. to uh, work with vision impairment. In terms of your own situation, uh, I suppose in Dealey, you mentioned the word grief there. I suppose the different stages, if I'm correct, it's, um, it's kind of a, a cinnamon of dabda, denial, anger, bargaining. Uh, just if I'm getting those correct, run through you those are. stages with us. Yeah, you are. And you know what, Arthur? Um, I suppose, you know, I do training and this last week I did a training with an organization and it was the first time I put this into it because 
from talking to people around COVID-19 and the coronavirus, I realized that a lot of people are going through grief. And people think that grief is always associated with the loss of someone you love, which is, of course, grief. But there are so many different types of grief. Like, I didn't even realize I was going through grief until much later on in life when I was talking to a psychotherapist and when I was describing my feelings, she said, Claire, that's grief. And I was like, is it? All right. So I suppose I want to talk about grief and to bring it into our everyday situation because grief can be the loss of a relationship. It can be the loss of a job. It can be a loss of a loved one. It can be the loss of a part of your body that used to work, like my, for me, my eyesight, and that doesn't work anymore the way that it does for everyone else in society. So there are all different types of grief. And I think at the moment, um, people are really suffering because the way of life that they live is gone. All right. And it's going to be gone for a long time. That's what we're being told in the media, etc. So, you know, if you're going through different feelings, what I want to say to people is don't beat yourself up. All right. Um, we are our feelings are normal. And if we get angry, that's normal. If we feel a bit depressed around it, that's normal, you know. But it's about finding ways of um, coping with it. So you're right. There are five stages. Denial and then anger, then bargaining, then depression, then acceptance. And what I can say to you, Arthur, from my experience of, um, say, grief around my disability, it's not linear. It doesn't mean that it all goes in a straight line. And... Um, I have been at times in my life very accepting of my eyesight. And then I could end up back at level two again and be angry about mm -hmm. it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not like it's all hunky-dory when you get to acceptance. You know, mm -hmm. it's all going to be fine from there. Because one day you can just have a bad day and get very frustrated and be, I can be very angry about my eyes again. So, um, Ed, but it's about recognizing that I think when I know, why am I angry? All right. Well, it's not your eyes fault. Okay. And then doing things. Um, have you ever heard of the organization called Jigsaw? I have indeed. Yes. Yeah. They're a great organization and they had um, something in the examiner there a few months ago and it was called um, the five a day for mental health. And I always follow that. And it's things like, you know, give and um, connect to connect with real people and do some exercise, do a little bit of mindfulness. And it's all of those things that will help you every day and um, get to the point of acceptance again of whatever your loss or grief is, you know. But just accepting that grief is part of life. I think if we have the honor of living long enough on this planet and we love, then we will experience grief. Mm -hmm. Indeed, it's interesting how to manage it. You're also involved in various training uh, and so forth as well. Tell us a bit about, uh, if you could just give, give us a light of the training you were involved in, in, in terms of companies you mentioned earlier on. I suppose it's about going in and taking away the stereotypes, taking away the yeah. perceptions. Yeah, so most of the training that I do, um, I have three levels. Uh, there is the, what I call disability awareness and being committed to disability awareness. And then we have disability um, committed employers and then finally leaders. So our first um, part of the training, and you get a certificate for each part of the training that you do. And the first part of the training um, covers what uh, language, all around language with disability. A lot of people are afraid around language with disability, whether they're using the right word or the wrong word. 
And um, yes, there is some language we should definitely avoid. For example, the word handicapped. Mm-hmm. Um, that word came from a time when people like me were sitting outside of churches with our cats in our hand, begging for money. Okay, now that day is well gone. So we don't use that word anymore because it reminds us of a time when we were definitely inferior people in society, mm-hmm. right? But there's plenty of language that we can use and um, and that's what we focus on in inclusive courts, the good language. We look at legislation, we look at um, empathy, and we also look at... Um, all kinds of etiquette and confidence training around disability. Yeah. So that would be level one. Mm -hmm. And that's where most people get started. And then when we start identifying barriers of, you know, where are the barriers for their customers or their employees, that's when we get into being an inclusive employer and then a very confident leader around disability in the 21st century. Okay, very good. I suppose it's interesting you say about about um about labels and so forth. Uh, they can be quite impeding. They can be quite um, degrading in a sense that if somebody's labelled, of course. Uh, in, I was reading earlier on. It's only I think it's a hundred. It's only uh, fifty odd years since the U.S. Supreme Court uh, ruled that school segregation was illegal against the U.S. Constitution. It's just an interesting point that I suppose back in the day, labels were applied to people, and these labels very much categorise people and push society apart. So it's interesting here to speak about how it's being how it's wise to use terms and how it's wise to use not not to use terms and so forth to be accepting within uh, within the workplace. It's quite interesting to hear that. Yeah, and to understand that humans and disability it's very complex you Mm. know and i could describe to you in full all about my vision impairment but then the next person you talk to with a vision impairment could have a very different experience of what it is because every condition is so different and adam harris runs an organization called as i am and he i heard him speak at a conference once and he said if you meet one person with autism you meet one person with autism because again Every person is so different. And it's the same whether it's a blind person or a deaf person or a person with Down syndrome. No matter what, um, every person is different. We're all individuals and how we experience our disability in society is different. But what I try to find are patterns. Um, What is it that in general um, for people with disabilities that can work against us? And it could be like the recruitment uh, process in an organization. If it's not an inclusive process, it can straight away put people with disabilities off. And many organizations will always just put the usual, like we are an equal opportunities employer. Um, But what does that mean? Like before I go into an organization, I'll look at their website and I'll look for evidence that they are inclusive employers, that they do have some clue about what disability is. And oftentimes I don't see it. I don't find it. And I'm like, well, I'm telling you, your website is what most people will look at before they come to work for you. Mm-hmm. And there's no evidence on your website that you actually are an inclusive employer because, one, your website isn't accessible. Right? Mm. So that could be the very beginning of a conversation around accessibility online. And we've talked about accessibility online before as well, you know, even like accessibility, you know, the hashtags and all of that that we talked about before. Interesting indeed, of course. It's about being appropriate. Just to remind us, the last time we spoke, we spoke about hashtags. We spoke about communication. Uh, within the environment, just to give us a flavour, you're coming back, you're saying about labels and so forth and key words like handicap. Uh, in the environment, how can people be uh, be more careful in terms of communication and labelling? Um, 
it's, it's, well, I, it, in terms of the online environment, um, what we were talking about the last day was just using um, the camel text mm-hmm. and using good contrast and um, using inclusive language rather than, you know, not thinking about, um, yeah, thinking about everyone when you're writing and not being negative and not being the, the stereo, stereotypes and the myths and not perpetuating those um, stereotypes and myths. And, you know, I, well, let's come back to the five principles that I always use. When you're talking about people with disabilities, you know, be flexible. Don't assume just because you know one person with autism or Down syndrome or vision impaired, don't assume that everyone else is the same. And give it some time. Like disability is a complex issue. And, you know, there are a lot of organizations now who are coming on board doing training. And I think that's the first thing I try and help them get their heads around is you're not a medical expert. You don't ever, as a hiring manager, you never have to be a medical expert. But what you need to be able to ask any person who comes in the door to work in your organization is, how can I ensure that you are successful while you are working for us? Right. Whether they have a disability or a mental health issue or they're neurodiverse, what is it that your organization can do? And the only person you can find that out from really is the person themselves. All right. And um, in terms of most assistive technology, especially young people now, they know what they need coming from school because the education system now is very different to what you and I experienced, Arthur. Um, like when I was in school or in college, there was no talk really about assistive technology. Hmm. Whereas now, if you're dyslexic or dyspraxic or um, neurodiverse or vision impaired, in primary school, in secondary school, and certainly in further education and third level, you will receive the technology that you need. And whatever you get at those levels, bring them into the workplace and let the workplace know, you know what, I actually need Read and Write Gold or, you know what, I need the JAWS software to do my job. They'll get it for you. Mm -hmm. Every employer I have met, they're like, they don't even know what's out there. And I'm like, well... There's just so much out there. No one employer could know it all, you know. So let's take that fear away straight away. Mm -hmm. It's it's the candidates coming in saying, you know, this is the software I use. This is the assistive technology I use. And what I'd love to see with organizations is they put this on their website that they say, you know, like, look, we've got Dragon in the office. Everyone uses it. Um, Hmm. Because some of the softwares that are being used for as assistive technologies can be used mainstream as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. Adaptions that could be made very much in the office, I suppose, to be, uh, to be mindful of those with a disability is, is quite a, it's quite a point, especially in this day and age. So, Claire, tell us, how can people find more information about Inclusive Cork? Um, I have a website. It's uh, inclusivecork.ie. I'm also on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. And, um, yeah, I do a podcast, actually called the Disrupt Ability Podcast, Arthur. Mm-hmm. And um, I've done three seasons now. And what's interesting about it is uh, I have a lot of people from Cork, people who have been successful in education and in employment. They all have disabilities. They have different disabilities than me. I've actually only interviewed one other person who's blind, um, a girl from Galway, and she's a psychotherapist. And um, Cara Gibbons was her name. And everyone else has different disabilities, whether they're deaf or autistic or um, what else, brittle bone syndrome, wheelchair users and mobility issues. 
And uh, we just talk about what life is with the disability in Cork in 2020 and what are our issues. And what you'll find is we're all very upbeat, really. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> They're a great group of people. So if anyone is having a bad day, go on the Disruptability podcast and have a listen because um, they'll give you, the interviews will give you great insight into some of the struggles that people are facing and how they overcome them because the structures are there in society for all of us. But mm-hmm. what I'm finding is that people don't know how to use the structures, to mm. navigate the structures, whether it's an individual or whether it's an organization. They see disability and they have this old narrative in their head of oh, tragedy, sympathy, charity, oh, it's a terrible thing. And then they just run away. There's inertia. They do nothing about it as opposed to, um, yeah, running with this and saying, okay, what do I need to do to continue to have a great life and and live it as fully as I can and be as successful as I can. So, um, yeah, I suppose with going back to the stages of grief, getting to the point of acceptance and hope and and just living a very full life. That's it. Indeed. It's quite interesting, yeah. as you say, because there are possibilities out there. There is life. There is hope out there indeed. Claire Keneally from Inclusive Cork, thanks so much for joining us again this afternoon and we hope to touch base with you again soon. Uh, thank you, Arthur. Great talking to you. Great talking to you. This is 93.1 Life FM.